0: many of you got your Christmas decorations up? Be honest. Okay. Everybody, Will, have you got your Christmas decorations up? Of course you have. (laughs) Mid-November in the Folger household, folks. True True story. Well, I asked that question this morning, and what struck me was how proud those who already have their decorations up were, and um, praise God. In fact, I heard a story this morning about um, a couple of uh, families in our congregation who went to Leicestershire to one of these sort of cut-your-own-tree-down affairs. Fifty quid, cut your tree down, take it home, only they got involved in sort of a spirit of one-upmanship, so they kept wandering to bigger and bigger trees, so much so that they've had to continually chop the tree down after they got it in the house. (laughs) Anyway, amazing. Amazing. Yeah, we should do that. Now, it brings to mind the whole sort of Christmas thing. By the way, it's not Christmas yet. We're in Advent, but more of that to come. It brings to mind the importance of preparation for me. Uh, If we're going to get ready for something valuable and meaningful, an event or something similar, we need to make sure that we're prepared. We need to do work to prepare. And we're beginning today, the church across the world is beginning the journey of Advent. Advent is a, a comes from a Latin word meaning arrival. It's all about getting ready for the arrival of God with us. And this kind of event, the event of God coming into the world, takes some preparation. And as the church, we need to do that preparation well if, if it's not just going to get lost in the swirl of Amazon Prime and tinsel. So what we want to do as the church and as this church in the next few weeks through our, this service, the, our services and our carols and various other things is to prepare our hearts for what's to come. Now at Trinity, we are believing and planning. We feel like we're waiting, but we're actively waiting for a move of God. And I want to say that uh, we believe that move has already begun. In some way, we're seeing people receptive to hearing about God when we pray for people week by week by week on the streets. People are open. People are, people are increasing their own openness and expectation. We're meeting some of the people again and again. We've had people who we've met on the streets. Maybe you are some of them who've come and, and joined our family, who've come and do come along to worship with us. And Amy and I had the, the gift of being with a group of other pastors and church and movement leaders this last week. And it's amazing just seeing what God is doing across the nation in churches and in uh, movements and various other things. It feels like there's a, we're in a moment that's really precious and obviously that's contested as well. But if that's what we're preparing for, if we're preparing for a move of God like that, then it stands to reason even more so that we need to take seriously the work of preparation. And the question that comes to my mind again and again in in connection with this is this question, when God shows up, as we believe he will in a fresh way, in a powerful way, will I be ready? Will I even notice the difference? Am I becoming the kind of person who would recognize him when he comes, when he shows up? And the journey of making sure I am the kind of person, that we are the kind of people, is by investing in the work of preparation. Now, whenever you talk about preparing the way of the Lord, you sort of end up in the early part of the Gospels. And John the Baptist is, is one of the examples of people that do that. But today we want to look at Mary. Because she is somebody who prepares the way for Jesus. In fact, she's the first person to prepare the way for Jesus. Mary's the first person ever to say yes to Jesus. And in so doing that, Mary creates a space and becomes a doorway through uh, whom all of us are blessed, by whom all of us are blessed. So we want to learn some lessons from Mary tonight.
1: So first of all then, who is Mary? Um, We learn, don't we, in the scripture that was read that um, she is a virgin, so she's young. We think she's probably around 12 to 14 years of age. She's a woman. She is from um, Nazareth in Galilee, which is a completely nowhere town, it's completely insignificant. Um, there is very little going for her. She is someone of incredibly low status. Um, she is ordinary. She's completely ordinary. Um, and as I was thinking about this, um, I was thinking that she's just like, us really, or me. It's very, you know, we're just ordinary, aren't we? Um, I certainly feel ordinary quite a lot of the time. As Johnny was saying, we we're at this... Um, we were at this retreat with, um, uh, it was kind of a, a gathering of lots of church leaders, as Johnny said, and, um, and the room is full of these, like, really impressive um, people, um, and I'm sat there in the room, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, you know, I am so ordinary in this space, I, what, you know, Lord, what have I got to offer, you know, in comparison, how can you use me, um, and, you know, I was even coming up to Sundays or other things that we lead. You know, I, m- my week is really ordinary. You know, I, I do a lot of laundry most of my day. I don't know how, but the laundry basket never Effort is empty. I, even tonight I just put a load on and I was like, yes, it's done. And then Eden comes, one of my daughters, with her stuff and dumps it in the laundry. I was like, it was two seconds that it was empty. But you know, having said that, my 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 week is ordinary. There's lots of um, ordinary things going on. And I get to some you know, these moments, and I'm like, Lord, what have I got to offer? What 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 can you how can you use me? And, you know, we also learn from this story that um, God doesn't see Mary as she sees Mary. You know, it says she is highly favoured. It says, greetings, you who are highly favoured. He doesn't see her as she sees herself. He sees something different. And I think he sees her heart. He sees her heart. He sees her willingness um, and he doesn't look at her credentials he doesn't look at um, her past performances or what he, she's achieved she just looks he looks straight into the heart and he sees that there's a heart that is willing it's a heart of faith it's a heart that is yes a yes heart so he doesn't see you guys as he, as you see he doesn't he doesn't see you as you see yourself And we can learn that um, from Mary. I think we write ourselves off, don't we, all the time. You know, how can we be used? How can we offer ourselves when we don't really think we have much to offer? And I think we can learn, first point, is that we can trust that he sees something very different. He sees right through into the willingness of the heart. So
0: Mary is ordinary. Mary is also, and here's the paradox, she's ordinary and she's highly favoured, as Amy said. Greetings, highly favoured one. And the favour of God is, is manifested in Mary's life by, well, in a number of ways. And one of the key ways is the job that she's given to do. And it is absolutely crazy, the size, the scale of the job. Uh, This is what we read in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I love that. (laughs) But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. There's the favour line again. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, you are to call him Jesus. Jesus, uh, that name, Yeshua, means the Lord saves. And what the angel is saying is that Mary's job is gonna be to play a pivotal part in the climax of of salvation history. That what God has been doing all along through Israel in calling a people to himself to be a light to the nations, Mary sits at the, the last link in the chain And she, this 12, 13 or 14-year-old, this young girl who's never been married, who's never known a man, this girl sits at the hinge of history. And she is the one who's been chosen. It's through her, through her act of obedience, as we will see, and surrender, that God is completing the work of salvation. It's an amazing thing. He will be great Uh, the angel says of Jesus, and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. In other words, this is the rightful king of Israel. This is the king that the Jewish people were waiting for, the Messiah. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is extraordinary favor that's on Mary. Mary's about to give birth to God. Right? Did I drop the mic now? I mean, what? I mean, seriously. Like job description. So yeah, just sort of do some emails in the morning and uh, give birth to God. I mean, it's, it's 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 nuts. It's the most scandalous plan ever imagined. I I don't believe that the thought of such a plan would ever have entered the mind of anybody but God. It's so out there. It's so under there. It's so round there. It's just not what you do if you're God. I was in Windsor. This is where this gathering was and I took the opportunity without children uh, to use my morning to go on a run with some friends and we were just running up the Windsor Great Park. It's a beautiful park and yeah, we got running up this hill, which is rather longer than I'd anticipated. And at the top, there's one of, the, one of these sort of massive stone sculptures or brass. I don't know what it was made of. of Some king on some horse. And I just looked at this thing and I thought, a phrase came into my mind, my king rides a donkey. My king shows up in the womb of a virgin woman. I don't have a box for that. She's favoured and she's troubled because of her favour she's troubled. Her favour leads to great trouble. What do we read? Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I I love that. If you can't hear the humour there, you're missing it. Mary was greatly troubled and just what kind of greeting is this? Is this the hallmark? what's, What's going on? But the angel said, "Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favour with God." Mary's Mary's troubled because of the scale of the task, but I think she's also troubled just with the mechanics. (laughs) How will this be? (laughs) This is this is great. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, (laughs) it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. The angel said, I've got a plan for that. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There's something in this phrase, overshadow you. Now, growing up, for me, I, I lived, I felt overshadowed. I, I'm, I'm part of a family uh, that is sort of busy in the church world. My father's a vicar are now retired, his brother is identical to him, his brother was a vicar, and he had, has three sons, the eldest two are vicars, and, and they've always been sort of in the church, world. because they're sort of 10, 15, they're not that much older than me, actually, <laughs> let's go with it, this has been recorded, 10, 15, 20, 30 years older than me, <laughs> much, much older, um, you know, they were sort of a growing up, they were sort of gods in my mind. And I thought, you know, I'll never, I'll never be like them. I felt overshadowed. When I read this word, I feel like that. I feel that that's what's going on here, this sense of being overshadowed in somebody else's shadow. And I see, I, I would, I'd read that, and I even read it now as like a negative thing, and yet exactly the opposite thing's going on here. The word overshadowed, when it's used throughout the scriptures speaks of God's presence being the shadow, God's presence being looming, so much so that it casts a shadow. But it's, it's, it's a phrase that, that speaks of protection and covering. Not, it's not sinister. It doesn't lead to insecurity. It leads to a great security. What God is saying is, I'm going to flex my muscles. And I'm going to take care of you, Mary. And that's how this is going to happen. It's not about what you're going to do. It really is all about what I'm going to do. And I am going to overshadow you. And because of that, you're going to be okay?
1: So how does Mary then partner with God in this? How does she become overshadowed? Um, She surrenders. She surrenders. It says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Put simply, her response is yes. Whatever it takes, whatever it means, your kingdom come, your will be done. I am your servant. I give you my all. That is what surrender is. Surrender is saying yes to God, no matter what. And I have shared this before, but it just—it it, it really is in line with this. But I, um, a couple of weeks back, just had um a, a an image in my mind, um, of just a sea of people, and they're on their knees, and um. And on their knees, it was like it felt like weakness, um, but actually, it, it was it was a it was a posture of surrender. And then I saw this sort of gush of power. How was like, But a gush of sort of um, the Holy Spirit um, just just sort of overtaking, if you like. Um, and I think what is in this is I feel like God is wanting to um, raise up um, an army of surrendered people. Of weak surrendered people, where we surrender our um, our strengths, all the things that we are that we are really good at, all our competencies that we actually can you know sort of use to control or even use to um, feel okay, you know, um, and then also our lack. You know, that we surrender um, our lack. And I feel like I'm constantly like, oh, I just need to get better at this. Or once I've got better at that, or once I've upskilled in this area, or if, if my prayer life is better, or if I know the Bible more. And I just felt like God was like, that's not the point. The point is that you surrender it, I surrender my lack, I bend in my posture, I kneel before you, and I allow, allow his power. None of that stuff is bad, by the way, but it is a, it's a posture of saying i i can't I can't do it. I surrender to you. I allow your power um, to flow through me because that's when he's glorified. That's when he's glorified, and that is the point. The point is that he's glorified in this nation, in this church, in this nation, and then in, in this world. That he would be glorified, and as we kneel down, he is glorified, and so I think he's calling us to surrender. Um, and you know, this is hard, isn't it? You know, I can talk. You know, I can talk a good game, but. It's hard, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a daily choice, and it's bit by bit by bit. You know, God prods us, doesn't he, all the time. Oh, what about this bit that you're holding on to? Or what about this bit? Or what about this bit? You know, it's a continuous thing. And, um, and really, we learn from Mary that saying yes means a ton of no's for her. Saying yes to God means a ton of no's. So, you know, she's saying no to marriage because... Joseph could have so easily rejected her. She doesn't know he didn't at this point. So she's really surrendering marriage, which also means then security, which also means status. You know, in that culture, marriage is status. She's saying, all right, take that too. She's saying no to reputation. She's saying no to an emotionally safe life. I imagine, as Johnny said, you know, giving birth to the saviour is probably going to be quite a rollercoaster, I imagine, you know, so she's saying no to a straightforward life. She's saying no to a life that makes sense that makes sense to her. She's saying no to to a life that makes sense to her parents, that makes sense to her community. She's saying no to other people's opinions. You know, I said this this morning, but this is something for me. It's like I need, you know, saying no to other people's opinions. It's your opinion, God, that matters. And it's saying no to a suffering-free life. You know, she's going to embrace some suffering, as we know she does three years later. So, 33 the 33 but yes to god <laughs> will open up a ton of blessings it'll open up a ton of blessings and her yes opened up a life of blessing for the rest of us her yes opened up blessings for the for the rest of us and every one of us is faced with the same question as mary will you surrender to god's plan will you surrender yourself to god's will and plan and I think part of what holds us back is I don't know whether we can fully trust that God's plan is good. <laughs> that do we, do we trust that he has the best for us? Do we trust that he sees and that he wants a life of fulfillment for us? I think it can hold us back because we're not quite Sure. And so I think that is something that we need um, to bring before God. Why can't I surrender this? Why is it so hard? Do I trust that you're good? Do I trust that, you're gonna, um, that you've got my best interests at heart?
0: Oh God, Let's make this concrete. Do we trust that God's way of doing relationships is the way that leads to life? Do we trust that God's way of using money? Leads to life. Do we trust, as we said before, that his yoke, his teaching is life, that it's light, that it's rest? Do we trust Jesus when he says that it's more blessed to give than to receive? That it's our lives are found in surrender? That, that unless we take up our cross, that those who save their life will lose it and those who lose their life for his sake will find it? This is when it becomes concrete for us, doesn't it? And as Amy said, it's every yes means many no's.
1: And, you know, this is my story. You know, I I met God when I was 21. Um, I had a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit that really changed my life, like night and day, you know, sort of woke up the next day, saw the world in a different way. And really the journey for me has been um, a journey of just letting go of self, basically, it's just been a journey of, um, of God chipping away, <laughs> you know, so he can um, be fully resident in me, um, um, basically, and what I've found is, you know, more freedom, more peace, more joy, more fulfillment, it's not easy, you know, getting free or is it, really hard, it's hard work, you know, to pursue wholeness, to pursue freedom. It isn't a click of the fingers. It's hard work and it takes time. It takes vulnerability and it takes um, walking this stuff through. You can't just click your fingers and be free. Side um, note. But yeah, it just, it it takes time. And even at this um, retreat that we were just at, you know, I was in the worship and I, um, and I was just saying all these things to God that I desired. You know, I want to see this, God. I want, to, I want this to be fulfilled in my lifetime. You know, why has this prayer not been answered? I want to see this person healed. I want to, there was so much that I was um, just praying to him in this moment. And this phrase come, came up in my mind. And it was, you are enough. You are enough. And I just began to um, worship. And I just was singing out, you are enough. You are enough, right here, right now, in my situation. Whatever the situation is, good, the bad, and the ugly, you are enough. And I think that's a challenge to us. Can we say, God, you are enough? No matter what, no matter what I see or what I don't see, you are enough.
0: Every one of us is faced... <clears throat> with the same question as Mary. And her response is so powerful. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled, or as the Beatles had it, let it be. Let it be to me according to your word. Let's just sit just for a moment and engage with that question. What it means for us What might God be able to do with a community of people who say yes to him? The answer, of course, is anything he imagines.